You're listening to Rowan Prant Method, where we talk all things mindset, fitness, well-being, performance, and lifestyle so that you can live a high-performance life. On today's show, we've got Venerable, who is a Buddhist nun, here to talk about mindset, mindfulness, stress, and emotions. Welcome to the show, Venerable. Thank you very much for having me here. It's an honor. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for coming. So we met at the Women's Federation for World Peace Mindful Retreat. We were both presenting, and I loved your message talking about stress. Do you mind sharing some of that with us? Is it more what is the stress? Well, what is stress to you? Well, you know, stress manifest in the physical body and you feel it in your mind. So stress means if you're uncomfortable in your body, you're too tensed. And if you have too many mood swings, you're not happy. So the discomfort in the body and the mind is stress. Well, I think a lot of people experience too much stress on a regular basis, particularly in modern society. What do you think is different now compared to in the past? We have too much speed and too much greed. And, uh, and the values are totally different. So to explain to you in another way, the stress is related to the selfishness. When we are very self-centered, we go into that fight-or-flight reaction. It is a fight-or-flight reaction that brings the tension in the body and the moods in the mind. Those days, our ancestors, they were all to do with the community. They're thinking about one another, the community. They had a community spirit. No one was just trying to um, gain things for themselves. It was all group focus. So when people do like that, they are more selfless. So their parasympathetic gets activated. So the parasympathetic actually relaxes us. So they were very um, loving, kind, compassionate. They had the group kind of the setting and everyone's success was their success. So they were working together, not individually. So their stress levels was very low. But now today we have come to a point we are focusing on individual success. So all the time we are thinking of I, me, myself, what to do, what to do. So all the time the body goes into the fight or flight reaction so we feel very stressed. And you can see that in the society. Do you see more selfless people, very loving, kind, compassionate people, compassionate actions? (laughs) Or you see a lot of this selfish behaviors? Well, that's really interesting because I think something that's lacking for a lot of people right now is connection. Yeah. A lot of people are lacking that. And that whole element of the community that you were mentioning that was a way of the past is sort mm. of lacking now. There is certain community groups that people are doing, trying to get that back. Mm. But I think there's a real need for it. Yeah, but here we are trying to come as a community group because we want to bring people together. So it's like a hobby or it's like a part-time thing. But at that time, it was the way they lived. Mm -hmm. You see, we have community groups just to come together, have a chat and go back. (laughs) That's what the community group means here. But those days, the whole living was together with the community. Even in one house, they would have the grandparents, auntie, uncle, the parents and the children, three generations in one house. Today, we need everyone, just a marriage couple, we need a house. Very true. Well, you were mentioning about the parasympathetic nervous system. 
I think most people, they're probably not aware that they're probably living in a state of the sympathetic nervous system most of the time, which is fight or flight, mm. with just our racing day-to-day -day activities. Mm. What strategies can people use at home to activate the parasympathetic nervous system? Well, they can begin the charities from home, like instead of I want this, I don't want that, and thinking about I, me, myself, they can start if you're a kid or a young person, think about how they can help around the house, the parents, the, you know, the other siblings work together. And then they can start thinking about if they're at school or work, how to actually be there for the other person, how we can work to help to make it a better place for the others, how to make others happy, not in a sense happy means, you know how happiness have different, different qualities, but the true kind of the happiness. So instead of thinking and focusing on oneself, we, if we can focus starting from home, think about the others who are there and work like that, the parasympathetic we can activate. We have to, what basically, bottom line is we have to purify our mind from that selfishness, the selfish tendencies, the greed and hatred and delusion, and we have to purify it to be non-greedy, having non-hatred, and to be wise. So when we do that, we become very gentle, soft, very loving, kind, very friendly, very wise people. So we can begin it from home. I think those are great values, but what about someone who is goal-orientated? How can they manage that state? Because compassion is such an important value. So is connection, so is contribution. But people still want material things. They still want to live in modern society. So how do they find that balance? Material things, having material things is okay, but how do we get and what do we do with that? That's how we connect with it, how we look at it. That's where the thing is. So if we want to acquire them because we want to share, we want to share it with everyone and for everyone's benefit, we will not get stressed because your parasympathetic is activated. When you think of, I want this for my benefit, that's when I will think, how can I get this? How can I do this? How can I, how can I? It'll go to the fight or flight reaction. So we can practice selflessness even in your personal going to success so selfless contribution will activate the parasympathetic nervous system yes okay that's really good to know what's one of my highest values i always ask myself things obviously i do things for me but at the same time it's how can i add value to the community so i've done a lot of different initiatives um, for example working with domestic violence victims and that mindful retreat we both work with together but how can people balance it where what advice can you give to someone to find a way to contribute if they don't have skills or experience in that manner? Just contribute at the home or contribute with their family? That's a starting point with the immediate place, immediate family or immediate workplace, wherever it is. Instead of focusing on I, me, myself, focus on others. Now I will tell you an example. One girl um, asked me, you know, um, if we have money, is it okay to use $1,000 to go on for the buffet or to a dinner dance or whatever, to buy a ticket because we have it and we also do charity. So we also give some to the others. So can we use what we have also to um, experience some luxury? So I said that's okay, but... Um, 
the way we function is animals always they want to look after the oneself it's all the focus is about i me myself so even as a human being if you are only at that level then we don't have much greatness in us <laughs> we we when we practice to share what we have so the sharing has different levels okay i will share with um, people who are less fortunate than me okay we we start to share and then we start to give little bit or equally from what i use like if we are using it for food okay i take 10 dollars for my lunch and i give out also 10 dollars for someone to eat who don't have any food then when we improve this generosity practice in the generosity it will come to a time where you will spend 5 dollars on your meal and you will be happy to give 10 dollars to the other and watch how they eat and be very happy that you have managed to provide someone who didn't have the food and they are so happy with that so you start to begin to get happiness from seeing others getting comfort and happiness then there will come a time which we call this bodhisattva concept where you can even go hungry if someone comes while you're just about to eat and someone hungry appears here then you'll be naturally from the bottom <coughs> of the heart you'll be able to give donate what you have to the other person and not even feel hungry because you're so happy you got the opportunity to share that with someone who didn't have it so you're getting happiness from that so there is a i was telling that girl who we recognize as great people in the world the buddha the jesus you know mahatma gandhi nelson mandela mother teresa you look into them they have not used things for themselves why they were recognized as great people because they were always there for the other they sacrificed so many things even their life for the others so if you want to go in this path to greatness <laughs> the development in the mind is not focusing on you even the little resource you have you will you will use it wisely you will not use it extravagantly just for your fun but you will use whatever the resources need to keep your life very simple and you know whatever the basic needs you need to look after so you will use that but more you will think about others and you will leave it for them the world would definitely be a much better place if people acted a lot more selflessly uh, there you go what are your thoughts on gratitude that is also something we lack today and we must develop because the gratitude activates the parasympathetic and it also brings us to a level to be um, to feel like we are lucky to have this but today everyone focuses on what they don't have and always unhappy but they have got so much and because they don't pay attention to that, that to that and we don't have the gratitude that you know thank go thank whoever <laughs> that has provided us and also whatever we have say thank you and uh, appreciate it we don't have that so always we focus on what we don't have and we are very unhappy but if we had gratitude we'll be very content and at the same time we'll be very grateful to the earth to the sky to the rivers to the water to our friends to the animals for what they are doing you know we can't live here if they were not doing what they are doing now but we take everything for granted and we don't really um 
feel that what the others are doing to us it's always about the complaints complaint starts now the worst part is from the parents oh they didn't do this they didn't do that today why am like this that's my parents fault but how much our parents have done to us it all goes unnoticed because we have not focused on saying thank you I was actually explaining to Year 9 boys today in a workshop about the reticular activating system. So their filter, where they can actually focus on what they actually want to focus on. So we were training that and we actually did a few gratitude exercises where I get them to write down things that they're grateful for and why they're grateful for them. And I gave them the concept, because they were in Year 9, normally I say to an adult, if you buy a yellow car, you see yellow cars everywhere. If you're going to go to Mexico, you'll start hearing Spanish on the radio. So to the boys, I'm like, if you buy a certain brand of clothing, you start to notice those clothes. And they're like, yeah, they do. Or it's their favorite sporting team, they always notice it. So we were talking about mindset and how they can cultivate gratitude and focus on what they have instead of what they don't have. So they're always seeing those things and seeing opportunities. Good. Yeah, it was really good. Um, so about mindfulness, tell us about mindfulness. How can we introduce this into our lives? No, that's a big topic. Okay. <clears throat> Mindfulness means learning how your mind is working and we have learned about how deep is the sea and how the deepest point, how far is the sun, the moon, this, that and the other, we have started to study. But we still have not explored our inner world and we don't know how our mind works to the level that when people are angry they would do certain things they will end up even going into the jail and then only they will wake up oh I was so angry that's why I hit this guy and <laughs> you know today I'm in the jail so to that level we are so unconscious and unaware of how we function so mindfulness means we learning um, how our mind functions now how we feel is also the quality of the mind, whether we are sad or angry or anxious, anxiety, worries, depressed, and also the happy, calmness, feeling, feeling peaceful. All these states are mind states. So, even though we think, if I get that thing that is out there, if I can acquire it, I can be happy, but the happiness is a state of the mind. Even though it appeared like it's out there. If I get that, I'll be happy. And also another thing is, if I don't like something, I feel very unhappy until I remove it or I go away from it or we run into conflict and either this or that, my way or highway. And so we think if we can get what I like, if I can get rid of what I don't like, I can be happy. But happiness is a state of a mind. So this is where the mindfulness is um, important. It teaches you it's not out there, not in the thing that you like or not in the thing that you don't like that brings you unhappiness. It is we create it inside depending on the thoughts that we create about that outside thing. So, it is a practice to bring our awareness to inside, to our body 
and to our mind. Now, when we say mind, now I will go deeper, step by step. So, when we say the mind, Buddha was pointing out there is three um, activities in the mind, but there are parts of a chain reaction different. Different activities, but it's in the same chain reaction. But all three of them we call mind. But let's break it down. The word called the vijnana is called this cognizing ability to recognize something. Now the eye, when the light uh, reflects from something, it goes through the lens and then it creates this inverted image behind the retina, I mean in the eye behind the retina and then that upside down image is taken to the brain and then the brain corrects it and shows us a picture and we recognize that. So this activity of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching because we have to apply that to all five senses. All the five senses works in the same way. Initially it gets stimulated then that message is carried into the brain and the brain really recognizes what it is. So that is what we call today the perception, eye perception, ear perception, nose perception, tongue perception, the body perception. So after recognizing this, mano means we start to think, we start to make concepts about it. What is it? And we start to think. So the thoughts, that is a, um, another activity. And then, Depending on the thoughts, these thoughts stimulate certain glands in our body. And when the glands are stimulated, certain hormones will flow. And then we say we get emotional. We have moods. So this mood is called the chitta. It is the mood, if it's angry, if there is lust, the desires, anxieties, worries. And um, we also can have the... Um, other side where you feel peaceful, calm, happy. So all these um, emotions, they are um, activated by these hormones. So this hormonal part is called the chitta. Vijnana mano chitta. So first the perception. From the perception we start to think. From thinking it leads to emotion. Now, our problem today is the emotions because the emotions don't have a brain to think. We react, especially the emotions that's connected with amygdala. It takes you into the fight or flight reaction and it's automatic reaction. Anger, fear, anxiety, worries. So you don't think it just happens. And that's not good. When we can't think and act, we actually can't feel how the other person feels. And most of the time when we are emotional, because we are so blind now, and we can't see or we can't feel how the others feel, they get hurt. So, we need to be aware of this. And start to control these emotions, start to manage the emotions. How first you need to be able to recognize that I have this state now. Anger or anxiety, worries, whatever the state you feel. 
then we need to realize the emotions doesn't do much help to us. It takes us the body into the fight or flight reaction. So that's a stressor, stress hormones that comes and that is what is um, killing us. Stress is a silent killer. It's not good for me. And when I'm stressed with those emotions, because of those emotions, it's not good for the others too. It's not comfortable for them. If you have an angry person here, you know how <laughs> hard to deal with them. So first thing is to be aware of that. Then, now we have to go to the root cause of how does this emotion came. So if you want to manage emotion, if you want to not to get angry, not to get um, impulsive like that and react, we need to find how did this come to be with the thought. And it is from the unwholesome thought that it started. So you need to get into the um, root cause and you will catch that thought there. So unwholesome thought means the self-centered thoughts. So you will see uh, the thought activating this type of emotion. So now you can change a thought and you can change the emotion. And then if you want to work backwards, how did this thought come to be? Uh, that's when we can learn how did this thought come to be ah, from the perception, trying to interpret, trying to recognize that we started the thought. And um, I can explain that also a bit later. So getting to know this, how your brain functions, how your body functions and um, when we don't know this, we end up suffering or we get stressed due to this emotion. So if you want to free yourself from stress, if you want to live a stress-free life, a peaceful life, you need to know how this machine works, how this body, the mind works. So learning that is called the mindfulness. But well, You've touched on self-regulation and I think that's such an important thing because so many people struggle with unwanted emotions. So tell us more about that, about mindfulness, how you can use that to self-regulate. So the first thing is you need to know the theory behind. And now, theory means it's not just the theory, even what the neuroscientists, this is what they have really um, um, realized now, how the brain works, how these hormones work and all that. So... We need to understand, it is from this understanding that we can change our thinking, our attitude. We need to change from selfish thinking to the selfless. It is the selfishness, it is the self-centered thinking that activates the sympathetic, the fight or flight reaction. There's no argument about that. Because the head office of the sympathetic is the amygdala. What amygdala screens and catches is anything to do with the self-survival. So it's a simple thought like, oh, so-and-so had said this about me. Amygdala catches that as a threat, threat to my good name for my survival. So the straight away it will stimulate the adrenaline gland, the hormones will come, the adrenaline. And when the adrenaline is in the body, we call angry. So we need to know a little bit of how this is functioning. And then if you can see the connection between the emotion and this self-centered thinking, we need to start changing the way we think. Instead of going I, 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 me, 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 myself, we need to start to lessen this sense of self. 
we need to practice the selflessness. So one of the methods is now um, that I teach to a lot of the people who are depressed. You know, depression is also a symptom of long-term stress. When you're too stressed for too long, you feel very uncomfortable, you're very unhappy. It is that unhappiness, what we call the depression. Depression means you're not happy, you're all the time emotional, you're very sad. So if you want to overcome that, straight away we need to help them to step out from this self-centeredness, self-centered thinking. So what I do is tell them, you know, in um, uh, our um, Buddhist teaching, Buddha teaches, Sabbe Satta Bhavantu Sukitatta. That means, may all beings be well, comfortable, peaceful and happy. Knowing that everyone likes to live peacefully and happily. That is the quest of all living beings, not even just the human beings. So if we can focus on everyone's welfare and well-being, that will start to activate the parasympathetic. That is a trick to trick the brain from to switch <laughs> from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic. So if someone practices this, may all beings be well and happy, wholeheartedly and genuinely. <laughs> The same way like I would like to be well and happy. May everyone get that opportunity. May they be safe. May they be free from anger. May they be free from jealousy. And may they be free from becoming a victim of others' jealousy. Whatever, not all the good things, good wishes. You wish for them and you, from the bottom of the heart, you wish them well. And you want to see others' welfare and well-being. It will activate the parasympathy. And that is one of the quickest methods. Because it's not hard to practice. And you can do it from home, at school, at work, when you walk, everything. When you do everything, you can do that. Very simple. And when you have to do something, you do it, focus and do it. But then when you more and more, you start to think of all the beings, you will start to get connected to the tree, to the ground, to the water, to the river, to the other people. Because now you're focusing on others' welfare and well-being. Before it was not, you're just like this, on, only about yourself. So this shifts the focus from self-centeredness to may all beings, being thinking of a bigger range. So that is a good, quick method. Well, you mentioned the amygdala, and something that I found absolutely fascinating about meditation a long time ago was a Harvard study where they did eight weeks of meditation and they did brain scans at the beginning, at the end of the program. And they actually proved that grey matter actually increased in the brain, so their thinking capacity improved. But the amygdala actually shrunk, so they were less likely to experience anxiety and depression. Yes, yes. <laughs> it says, you know, when we are small, our amygdala is also like very small and like a size of a peppercorn. And our how we feel relaxed, the parasympathetic is connected to the pineal gland and when we are small, our pineal gland apparently is like a size of an almond. Now, when we grow up, if we are growing and developing the humanness, all this loving, kindness, compassion, thinking of others and being there for the others, caring and all that good um, behaviors, good thinking, good qualities... So the whole point of why we go to school is actually the kid doesn't have that kids are always, when we are little, we are self-centered. We are focused on ourselves. So the education, what we did there, is educate them to be more and more selfless. More you grow up, 
you will be a great person then. But now it has become the opposite. More and more we grow, it seems we are becoming more and more selfish. So now what's happening when we are growing up, instead of our pineal gland growing and amygdala shrinking, the research shows in our society, the pineal gland has shrunk to the level of a peppercorn. And the amygdala has enlarged like to an almond. <laughs> so this is why the stress is so much. The plague of the stress is plague of the century is stress. Well, I think stress or chronic stress leads to elevated cortisol levels for an extended period of time. Yeah. And that's when people are experiencing things like anxiety all the time. People don't want to go to work. And I think mm. since COVID, it's even got even worse because people were used to being at home. They weren't used to socializing. They weren't used to going into the office. Mm. Now they're back in the real world. People aren't managing. And I think a lot of people are looking for maybe their yoga sessions or a five-minute meditation or something. But mm. I think they need a lot more than that. So this selfish, uh, selflessness and this compassion, loving kindness that you're talking about is something they can practice throughout the day to help shrink the amygdala. Is that what you're saying? To reduce the amygdala and to strengthen the pineal gland. Yeah. Fantastic. So what about meditation? Where does that come into this? So meditation means, you know, the word that's being translated as meditation, in Pali it's called bhavana. Bhavana means cultivating the mind, developing the mind. Meditation means so literally developing your mind. So developing your mind means the weakness is these emotions. Weakness is the selfishness, self-centered behavior, self-centeredness. So development means giving up the selfishness, becoming selfless and becoming emotionless, becoming more peaceful, tranquil. And when you're peaceful and tranquil, you'll be happy. So the meditation means... The recipe to be peaceful and happy, the art to live your life but peacefully and happily. So it's not something you just sit and do. It has to be cultivated into your day-to-day -day life and it has to be a way of living. It has to come from understanding. So it becomes a way of living. So you will be peaceful and happy all the time. So like the phone, you know, you charge it and then it runs down like that. So you learn the meditation. You set one, some time in the day, okay, I'm going to recharge myself. I'm only going to focus on my thoughts and develop good thoughts, get rid of the negative thoughts and develop the good thoughts. You can do that for 15 minutes or one hour or something like that every day. And we go to the temple or to a teacher and then we learn and practice. But the whole point is it shouldn't be limited to there, limited to that time. So you need to learn and then take it to with you to live when you're living every day, 24 hours, it should be applied. Well, this might come as a shock to you, but when I was a teenager, I was kind of reckless. And I thought, what is the opposite to me? And the only thing I've come up with was a monk. So I went and found monks and... The next thing I know, I was on a flight to Thailand to do 10-day silence. I'd never meditated a day in my life to do Vipassana meditation, a silent retreat. It was so far out of my comfort zone, and the monks like to drip feed you information where they give you a bit by bit each day, and I had no idea what was going on, and we couldn't talk. So I was really going over every conversation that I ever had and then trying to bring my attention back to the breath. And it wasn't until after I finished that retreat that I had 
the clarity and my senses and everything had been awakened so much because entering back into the normal modern society was amazing. I understand you run retreats. Can you tell me a bit about them? Yes. So the retreat means they take time off and come and then they learn how this body works, how the mind works, where it went wrong and how to correct ourselves, how to change our attitudes, change our thinking and then practice more and more um, the good wholesome thoughts and the wholesome qualities. So what happens in a retreat, they will feel so refreshed, so peaceful, so calm and happy. The human quest is to find peace and happiness. But the way we are going now, the happiness is running away. (laughs) The opposite of the happiness is the stress. We need to be relaxed to be happy. So today, the people don't know how to relax. It's stress. <laughs> so when we are stressed, we are unhappy. So this meditation retreat pretty much gives the opportunity for you to relax and it brings you the inner happiness. Well, anyone that's never done one, I highly recommend that you have a bit of a reset and do a mindful retreat. It's a great life skill. It was one of the hardest things I ever did as a 22-year-old male, but it um, was out of my comfort zone and helped me cultivate life skills that help in every other area of my life and ever since I've been a meditator and as long as I'm meditating things are going very well and I encourage a lot of people to implement into their life yeah um sorry to hear that it was a hard time for you at that because you were in Thailand in a different country and you didn't know the language and you know all that would have made it uncomfortable but here now, when we do a retreat, it'll be very comfortable, I can guarantee you. I needed that extremeness, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that was going to help me change. Yeah. But in terms of meditation, obviously, how much is enough? Because I've done it where I've done 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. I've done it where I have did it for hours a day at retreats. What is the minimum effective dose for the average person that's already time poor, that already says they don't have time to do most things, that hit the snooze button early in the morning and don't want to get out of bed, how can they meditate? How much is enough? How much is not enough? What are your thoughts? Well, when you eat, how much is enough? How do you know? For me? Yeah. A lot. <laughs> but how do you know that's enough? I guess when I'm satiated, when I feel full. That's right. <laughs> so meditation is a food for mind. So when you're meditating, if you're doing it in the proper way, when you're not meditating, you're hungry, you feel very um, not content, not happy. (laughs) So the meditation is to make you feel very contented and peaceful and happy. So if you're not, you better do it. (laughs) We can't say the time period because it depends on how pure you are or how how your mind is if you have a lot of negative thoughts, unwholesome thought, lot of self-centered thoughts. Well, you need a lot of time to meditate. Well, I think a lot of people would benefit if they implement in their life or at least give it a go. But what what are the benefits that you think come from meditation? Obviously, we've t- spoken about the amygdala, the pineal gland. Mm. We've spoken about reducing stress. What, what can they hope to achieve from participating in it? Well, it'll improve your physical health, mental health exponentially. Because what the way we are living today is we are putting too much stress on the body, too much stress on the mind. This is why so much diseases, so much um, illnesses are 
really a result of stress. So it will improve your physical health, improve your immune system, because when you are stressed, your immune system gets suppressed. But when you are um, relaxed, the immune system will be strong, so you will not catch this cold and the flu and the corona and this and that and the other because your immune system is strong. So you will have more protection even from this bacteria and viruses. And now they have found out you when you meditate, you know, because your body is not going in the fight or flight reaction all the time, you will have not high pressure. Your pressure will be normal. Your insulin will, your organs will work in the normal way. It will function in the normal way. So you will be free from high blood pressure. This, um, um, the diabetic and heart problems, whatever the things that is associated with stress, you'll be free from those illnesses. And the cancer also, something that gets manifested with this prolonged stress. When you are stressed, something that happens to your body is your body gets tensed. And the blood flow from normally that's in your stomach viscera, they get diverted to your arms and the legs to the muscles. And if you are always stressed, they are always going to be very tensed and it's flowing there. So the organs that need the blood, why we need the blood is to get the oxygen and the nutrition to your brain, to your organs, to your cells. But now they are getting deprived of the oxygen and the nutrition where it should be. They are not getting it. The pH changes in the blood and then no nutrition. That's when the cells will um, tip their normal balanced state of, you know, they are always in a dividing state. But it's in a balance. But when the pH changes, when you don't get enough oxygen and too many carbon dioxide in the body, that's when the cells will start to grow with no control. And we call that a tumor, a cancer. So you can even avoid getting that type of horrible diseases. You know how much suffering comes with cancer. Even though there is cure, but a um, lot of suffering I have seen people. And now that is the physical body part where you will gain a lot of um, benefits the health-wise. In the mind, when we um, get emotional, we get a lot of hormones and they also circulate in the brain. So when there's a lot of chemicals in the brain, some chemicals doesn't help the neurons in the brain. Especially um, this cortisol, the adrenaline, they don't really help the neurons in the prefrontal cortex. You know how the human beings have evolved after a long, long, long time. And what made us a human being is this prefrontal cortex. And that is the part that the scientists think now is helping us to think rationally, logically. That's what's not in the chimpanzee. <laughs> That's what not in the homo sapien. But homo sapien sapien, we have that. And we have the ability to rationally, logically think, to know good, bad, right, wrong, and pick and choose, and to understand something. This is why we are here where we are today. So when we have too much of those chemicals in there, it blocks the rational thinking pathways. So it blocks our thinking. So it's like, you can't think properly. You have like a 
mist or we call what do you call that when you can fog? fog brain fog yeah so you get the brain fog so you can't make good decisions then that's not good for you and at the same time because it's damaging to the cell if this is happening over and over and over it damages the cells then you will lose your memory too so if you are meditating if you stand stabilize your moods and you stay in that relaxed peaceful calm happy state you can be in the zone you can be very sharp very quick in thinking and you can make good decisions wise decisions and also your memory will improve if you are studying you can do well in that so you get many benefits um in that sense to in your day to day life Well, I originally came from a combat sports background and when I was younger it was always bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful. It was very results orientated. And the common theme that I always came across was people get burnt out because it was always in that constant state of stimulation and constant state of stress. So I think meditation is an element that we can utilize to help reset and recharge to be able to go again because I think just looking into the research pretty much all high achievers meditate it's not just for spiritual people yes yeah so we think what's your message to the community the broader community about mindfulness about meditation about the stress response what do you want to share i think we we human beings we all should know how we function how our body functions how our mind functions So it's nothing to do with the religion. It's all about learning about ourselves and learning about what makes us stressed and how we can f- free ourselves from stress. So we should put some effort. We should take some time and learn this and then practice it so it can benefit us and even the people around us. So when one person lives without stress and when they live peacefully and happily it's so much comfortable for others to associate with someone who is <laughs> tranquil peaceful and happy than someone who is so stressed and so angry and all the time you know so the best thing we can do to help others is first we should li- learn to live a stress free life peacefully and happily it will benefit the people who live around us and uh, have a ripple effect whatever the influence range you have they all will feel the benefit from that so if we love others and love oneself i think first we must learn how to be peaceful and happy and how to live with that peace and happiness not with stress well something that comes up a lot when i ask people what they want out of life because i'm big on lifestyle design they say they want to be happy and i go what would make them happy what lifestyle element what outcome would make them happy and they never have an answer and i think you touched it with peacefulness and tranquility those are states which will elicit a happiness response yes it is the peace and the happiness that brings the inner contentment inner happiness but because the way we are going now what we are getting it's a tiredness and the stress so the body is very stressed when the body is very uncomfortable your mind will not be happy So we are searching for happiness but we are only getting the stress and the unhappiness and we are keep engaging doing the same thing over and over and over searching for happiness thinking next project will bring happiness but we are only going towards stress depression chronic depression mental illness suicide that's the direction we are going so if we want to reverse this we need to learn to live a stress free life Maybe in the next program we can talk about more the methods and teach them 
how to meditate and how we can um, um, uh, use it in their day-to-day life. That's a fantastic idea. We'll definitely have you back again to give a bit more information about the methodology behind meditation and how we can minimize stress because it is such a common problem. Everyone that I speak to, everyone can name what makes them stressed, but they can't identify what makes them happy. And it's talking about, again, that filter where you focus, you're going to get what you focus on. Mm. And they just get more stress because that's what they're focused on. That's Mm. what their RAS is working towards. Mm. Yes. So maybe one day you can arrange a retreat. We can tell your listeners and they can come and practice and they can feel it for themselves. They can experience it for themselves. This is how they will know. This is so true. I think that's great. We'll definitely organize that. And we do have a retreat coming up at some point. I think Suze was talking about it. We're going to plan an event, which will be very good, a very interesting dynamic. So Suze has got something she wants to share about a little project that they've got, a Venables project. Do you want to share? Um, so basically, hi, everyone. Um, basically, I work with Venerable. She's my spiritual teacher. So I actually have come from a very stressful um, lifestyle and then I started working with Venerable and she's guided me into making lifestyle changes um, and understanding mindfulness and how the body works on a bit more of a scientific level, um, especially because I come from a science background, not a religious background. So it's been a fantastic journey. Um, I'm actually here to invite the audience, or we're trying to get the message out there at the moment. Um, the house in front of where our venerable is currently staying um, has gone up for auction, and we have we're asking the universe for its blessings to potentially purchase this property to expand um, our international centre for inner peace and happiness, which is where which is what we're currently starting. It's not a Buddhist temple per se but venerable is the leading guide of the center and we're hoping to expand so that we can invite the community for free to learn how to meditate um, to learn things about healing and health um, the un- unfortunate thing is being a buddhist monk um, it's a non-for-profit organization so we're really relying and asking for donations where we can if anyone's if anyone out there's listening you know and you've got a couple extra grand in that pocket um, this is a really exciting opportunity it's in dandenong um, and we're hoping that, you know, in the future maybe we could really expand this centre um, with gardens and things like that. So we, we're kind of seeking some donations at the moment or potential investors and partners who would like to get in on this idea. Um, the auction for our centre goes up on the 17th of September, so we're all praying to the universe in many ways and sending out as many blessings as we can to hopefully get in before auction happens. Um, I know personally I spoke to the bank today and I'm trying my very hardest to get a personal loan um, to help contribute because I personally I'm a teacher by trade and I'm, I work in the non-for-profit organisations and I personally believe this is a, an incredible opportunity that's come up from the universe. So it is called, it will be called the International Centre for Inner Peace and Happiness um, and if you would like to find out any more information about this, please don't hesitate to contact us on 03 9794-0759 and you can find out about more if you'd like to get involved or help us in any way with some donations. Uh, Venerable, is there anything you'd like to add? I'll just repeat that number slowly. So it's 03-9794-0759 and we are open for anyone to donate anything they have. Um, of course, if you do that, you are welcome to come to the centre at any time. You are 
welcome to meet our venerable uh, Bodhicitta and learn meditation and to really help improve your life. Because I know that we all understand the ripple effect. If one learns to heal themselves, then they can then learn to heal the people around them. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Venerable, and thank you, Suze, for that. I will post something on the Rowan Pratt Method Facebook page with your details so that everyone's interested about upcoming retreats, about this auction, this project that you've got coming up. But for those listening, thank you for tuning in for the first episode of Rowan Pratt Method. It was, I hope it was very informative for you. I learned some things. It was really good to hear a different perspective about mindfulness and how to manage stress. So each episode we'll be doing, we'll have a different speaker talking about different topics. So we've got speakers coming from a physiotherapy background, goal setting background, trauma informed approach, all different approaches. So tune in for the next episode. Have a good night. Can I add one more thing, Rowan? Um, Venerable also meets every once a month, every uh, monthly Sunday at the Kathleen Smith Library in Carlton, which is literally opposite Melbourne University. Um, This is open to the public. It's free. It's basically we go when we meet our Venerable from 1 o'clock till 4 p.m. in the library. We... She teaches us how to meditate and then we often have a really in-depth discussion, very similar to what we've just talked about today. So um, I'm... Please come on Sunday from 1 o'clock till 4 p.m. at the Kathleen Smith Library in Carlton, opposite Melbourne Uni. I highly recommend it. Have a good night. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye.